Entrepreneurs will save the world. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. We focus on the mindset shifts entrepreneurs make to increase their influence and impact in the world. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope called The Dose of Hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You will see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at addvalue2life.com slash dose. Addvalue2life.com slash dose. Today's guest is Aspen Spratt. Aspen is a mom, an entrepreneur. She has a passion for personal and professional development, believes motherhood has been her greatest teacher and the biggest catalyst for her own development. She's also passionate about helping others grow and develop in their lives. She currently resides in the Denver Metro area with her husband, daughter, and dogs. They all love to volunteer for the community and are especially passionate for the National Kidney Foundation since Aspen lives with one precious kidney. When the weather allows in Colorado, one of their adventures is to find new golf courses and enjoy the new version of clubbing. Aspen Spratt and Robert discuss business development, travel, and financial literacy. She ran a pub in England. She loves gardening and golf and all the adventures that her home state of Colorado offers. But most importantly, she loves teaching others about money. Well, Aspen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Just looking forward to learning so much and, and sharing your journey. Awesome. Glad to be here. Thank you. So I always start with just letting the guests share their entrepreneurial journey and and how they got started and what's brought them to where they are today. Wow. Well, um, being in my 40s, I don't know exactly when this journey started, but I would say that it probably started in high school, to be fair. Um, I studied accounting um, in college, and the reason I did that was because I worked for a CPA. Um, I interned for him in my high school senior year. Um, I had taken an accounting class, I aced it, it came really easy to me. And my teacher said, why don't you work for my husband? And I thought, what a great idea. So I did, and during tax season, I saw, you know, it was a lot of work, long hours. But then over the summer, I never saw him. He was always at Rockies games with his kids. And I just had never been introduced to entrepreneurship. I had no idea about business ownership, right? But I saw where he really had control over his time. And I thought, you know what? I kind of, I want to look at this because whether I have my own practice or I become a mom or wherever life takes me, I think that this accounting thing will, will be good for me. So I think that's where it started. Then <laughs> I took all the accounting classes. I feel like I took the hardest classes compared to some of my friends in college. Um, especially that auditing one, man, that was rough. But, um, you know, during that time, I ended up uh, studying abroad. 
And um, I was a first-generation college student, never thought studying abroad was something that was ever going to be a possibility until I found out that it was actually less expensive to spend a semester in Prague, Czech Republic than it was at CSU. (laughs) So I took that opportunity and I went. And the way that I explain to people is my vision was like this as far as where I was headed, what I was going to do, go to college, get a job, right? And it started doing this. It started opening up. And I got outside of my bubble, out of my comfort zone. And I think that that really led me to being an entrepreneur as well, because I started looking at things and going, maybe I don't necessarily want to go towards what the masses are doing. Maybe there is another path that's a little, it's maybe not as clear. It's not as well traveled. (laughs) It doesn't look like the highway everyone else is on. It's more of like this other you know, country road or something. And so that definitely um, helped me. And then after school, um, everyone else was, you know, looking for a way to get a job. And I was looking for another way to travel. So I ended up getting a work visa um, and living and worked, uh, lived and worked in England, started in London, um, lived in uh, near Bayswater, near Hyde Park. And, um, you know, just really, really was enjoying myself and stuff. I will say I did come home at one point and I did get that job for a CPA firm and I lasted one tax season (laughs) because um, at the time, and not everyone, not all your audience is going to know this movie, but the movie Office Space, um, most people, it's a comedy. For me, it was a drama. And (laughs) I had, during that tax season, that's kind of what my life felt like. I was coming in on the weekends and things like that. So I think that when you're talking to entrepreneurs, you're going to find two things. There's pleasure and there's pain, right? And I think the pleasure side of entrepreneurship is, you know, controlling your lifestyle more than not. And the pain side is, what do I want to get away from, right? And um, I, I didn't want, I knew when I was at that firm, in five years, I knew exactly what my job title was going to be, where I was going to sit, and about how much money I was going to make. And I was young. I was in my early 20s, and that freaked me out. <laughs> so, um, you know, and my parents definitely were great in the way that they, you know, they were very supportive of my fiercely independent philosophies, right, and, and what I did. And so I ended up putting my two weeks notice after that tax season And I moved back to England. And I remember my boss at the time said, you're going to give up all of this. And I thought, yeah, I am. Because I feel like it's less risky to see what else is out there than know what I'm going to do here. Right. And so that's what I did. And I ended up um, living overseas at that time, about eight years. And I ran pubs. And I ran pubs for a brewery. Um, But as long as I was profitable, they really were hands off. They let me do it. So that was kind of my start to real entrepreneurship. And then of course, what I do now, um, when I moved home, I reached out, who do you know? What do you know? I got introduced to our company. um, And I teach people how money works and financial education and, you know, consulting. And what it did for me was it brought all of those worlds together. My accounting background, because I do love numbers. I like to geek out. Um, but also, you know, running pubs and working with people, it brought all of that together. So I've been doing that now for nearly 12 years. Um, and 
you know, and it's it's been a journey. It definitely has. When you said, tell me about your entrepreneurship journey, because <laughs> it is, it evolves. Um, but I absolutely love it. And I would say those are the things that's, that's kind of how I got here. Nice. Before we hit record, we were talking about how the last couple of years has actually expanded your your business and opened up opportunities. Um, so typically I talk about connection and the power of connection. And so would you share how, how connections have grown and, and of course how important connections are or making connections are for growing? I think connection is so vital to everything I do. Um, I think that it's important to know that communication doesn't mean connection. <laughs> um, and I think that, uh, you know, as far as connection goes, it's being genuinely interested in people and building relationships, right? And um, wanting to help people, I think is really important. With the things that I do, um, it's important that I connect with people in a real way because I wear a lot of different hats. Um, I have a practice, I have clients, connecting with them, understanding their goals, what they want to do. It's really important so that I can do the best job for them. But then also I train a team that is learning to do what I do and they have different things going on with their life, right? But I connect with each of them and understand what their number one goals are so that I can help support them in the best way. And I feel like if I'm really connected to people, um, not everybody needs the same stuff. Would you agree? Right? Like, not everybody, you know, I think there's like five love languages, right? There's all these different personality types, there's all of that kind of stuff. And so when you connect with people, you can actually help them in a way that that really fits with them. Absolutely. So over these last couple of years, what's what's worked the best or what's helped you to continue building your audience and building your reach? Um, I, a couple of things. Um, I think a lot of my audience actually comes through referrals. Um, and so I usually meet new clients because they know one of my clients. That's probably the number one way. Um, which is great. I love that. And it's the best compliment I can receive is having an introduction to somebody. I think this is an age of social media. And um, I am of the generation that I'm kind of, I think, you know, I have life before Facebook. <laughs> um, a lot of, you know, my traveling stuff was before 2008, right? I think I joined Facebook in, around there. Um, but going forward, I've definitely made some moves to have a bigger audience as far as social media goes. And it was a little uncomfortable at first, you know, um, but I'm, I'm learning the ways of it. I have huge support around it. Um, I have a marketing team that helps me with that. And so that's definitely growing my reach a lot through LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And, um, and I think that that's helped. And then the connection piece of that is, of course, there's going to be some business stuff, but then there's also like personal stuff as well. And I was talking to a guy just yesterday um, that's going through the interview process with me. And he said, oh, I saw that you are part of the National Kidney Foundation. And I said, yes. 
right? And that's where people are looking for those common things. Um, he does a lot of charity and volunteer work as well. And so I think that that also helps just show the visibility, not just business, but also what you do personally and what you're passionate about. Nice. Well, and, and we also talked about how you know, prior to you know 2020, your entire team, your your entire client base, it was necessary to come into an office. It was necessary to be located, you know, within driving space of of that office. And yeah. and now that's all shifted, and and you're expanding, you know, beyond beyond state lines and beyond other boundaries that that were limitations to your business prior to 2020. Yeah, it's um, like I said, you know, I'm, I know the pandemic has been difficult and challenging in a lot of ways. And um, at the same time, it was helpful that everyone shifted at the same time. So even some of my colleagues that have been in business for over 20 years, you know, they started learning how to Zoom and stuff, which was great. Um, but it definitely allowed me to have just a greater reach as far as where I could serve and help people. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm a mom and I have a busy life as it is just being a parent. <laughs> so it has allowed me to have this flexible schedule where I get to drop off my daughter at preschool in the morning, right? I can have some meetings. I can have them back to back. I don't have to worry about commute time. Um, and so it's actually allowed me to do more in my day, um, being able to do that, which I really appreciate because before, if we take the BC that we were talking about before, right before COVID, um, I would drive, I would travel all over Denver, you know, would go all the way up to Fort Collins or even down to Pueblo, um, to meet with people, whatever that meeting is. And I just look back at that and think how inefficient that was in some ways, right? And not to say I still meet with some people face to face. And, you know, the connection piece, going back to that, right, actually meeting people in person, that's hard to beat. That's hard to beat because there is that human connection. But I think because we've all done it at the same time, we're all understanding where we're at now. Um, it's allowed us to be more efficient with our time, you know, and, and make sure like we're getting to do more of it. So just, I think it's kind of set up some timeline where before it probably would have taken me 10 years to accomplish some things. And then it's going to take maybe three to five to do that. Nice. You mentioned being able to design your business around your daughter, around your family. Mm -hmm. um, so we can either go down the boundary route or keep digging a little bit into the idea of being able to, to design your business or create your business around the things that are important to you? Yeah. Um, I'll take the latter. <laughs> uh, so me being an entrepreneur, um, the biggest reason for me, I'm, I'm money motivated to a point. The biggest re reason for me is lifestyle. I wanted to create, have a career that I could, you know, I could have my lifestyle and fit it all in, right? And harmonize it because it's, there's no such thing as balance, right? But having harmony in your life, but being able to 
you know, ha- live in a world of and, you know, be a great mom and a business leader, right? And I think that being an entrepreneur, that is sometimes the place where that happens, right? That's where I see it happening the most. And so when I first started with my company now, like what I'm doing now, I wasn't a mom. I wasn't married, right? Like I was single and I just thought I want to position myself so that when the time comes, I get to make choices, right? I can choose my time off. I can choose my income, right? I just wanted to have choice and I wanted to have lifestyle. And I'll tell you why that, when that really hit me, I shared with you that I spent, you know, eight years living and working in England. And over there, it's a little different. Um, I got accustomed to, in my 20s, having six to eight weeks off a year. In my 20s, okay? (laughs) Fast forward, I move home when I'm 30. I get my first job. And they got really excited to tell me, you're going to start with 10 days off a year. And, you know, I thought, oh, 10 sick days? And they said, no, it's PTO. It's whatever you want. It's 10 days off a year. And it was the biggest gut punch. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going backwards. And so if you want to have control of your time, you really got to start looking at, you know, a plan E, (laughs) which is entrepreneurship. Um, Not to say it was easy. I started part-time. So my lifestyle was not the lifestyle I have now. My lifestyle is I worked full-time and I worked part-time for a while. And I even had some ebbs and flows and I had, you know, went full time in my business. And at one point had to scale back again and get a job. Any entrepreneur knows that it's not a straight line to success. It actually looks like that. Right. Um, But now where I am now with a daughter and my family life and all of that, I'm so grateful to myself for giving myself that opportunity. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't have those regrets. I should have done that, right? It's more like I did it. Everyone thought I was weird. <laughs> they didn't understand, right? Because that path was so unclear. It wasn't a super highway, but now I'm positioned where I get to make those choices and my lifestyle is very different. Yeah, there's more and more. I think obviously this last two years has taught a lot of people that A, their company doesn't care as much about them as they thought they did and B that they have some other options that create more flexibility or um, will create more opportunity. And and they're not limited by these expectations of nine to five sitting at a desk, you know, and and the corner office is the, is the big prize, right? With the two week vacation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and (laughs) so I think, so I think, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think there's more and more people that are are being burnt out, recognizing that the the false sense of security that they felt doesn't isn't really as secure as they thought it was. Mm-hmm. The company doesn't care as much about them as they thought they did. Right. And and the company's not making decisions around, you know, the human values that the things like all moms deal with, right? You know, how do I choose my corporate gig without sacrificing time with my kids? Right. And I think companies are either going to have to figure out how to be more flexible or they're going to lose a lot more people. 
<laughs> because a lot more people are figuring out, you know what? I think I can solve a problem out there. I, like I, I can figure out a solution. And, and that's all entrepreneurship is, is, is providing a solution to just one little problem. And, <laughs> and most of us have that within us. And so yeah. when you, when you realize a, this job isn't as secure as I thought it was. B, they don't care about me. I, I'm going to take better care of me than they're ever going to. So why wouldn't I start my own company? Yeah, somewhere along the way, because I feel like America was built on entrepreneurship. <laughs> and then somewhere along the way, it kind of turned into the corporate world, get a job or go to school, get a job. Um, and I think maybe that's starting to, that pendulum starting to swing back a little bit, um, because more and more people are open to this idea of, you know, what else can I do? Side gigs, side hustles, turning into full-time, you know, vocations and things. So yeah, it's, maybe it's just kind of that pendulum swinging back again, but I, I do, I am passionate about helping people have that other path, you know, because it's, I think a lot of our issues as a society is because, you know, parents don't get a lot of time with their kids, right? And I was raised, my parents, um, my dad was the breadwinner and he worked for the railroad. He traveled a lot. My mom stayed at home and I'm so grateful to them, you know, that we were really close and connected and everything. And I know not all families have that. And for my daughter, you know, what I do is being an entrepreneur is not just about me. It's about her, too. It's being a role model for her. Um, and eventually, someday, maybe this will be, you know, her legacy. She'll, I'll pass down what I'm doing and she'll step in. I don't know. I'm not going to force it. <laughs> and now it's recorded, so she'll know. But That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, I think for women, it's an interesting place for women, especially moms, um, trying to juggle all of the different things that are going on. And I have a four-year-old and she is in swimming and Krav Maga now. And so we're trying to figure out all those logistics on top of preschool. And you just think like just doing all of that is a full-time job in itself, plus earning income. How does it all work? And so I think there's got to be some flexibility. And I'm I'm a hard worker, you know, and I don't I don't necessarily need to do it from nine to five. I can fit it in different times throughout the day. And, uh, you know, I think that that's helpful too. entrepreneurship allows that. Yep. And I think in, if corporations don't figure it out, there's going to be more entrepreneurs. <laughs> well, we have the great resignation and I think it's really the great restructure. You know, right. like we're just, people are, you're right. The pandemic, people took a moment, they were able to take a breath, get out of the autopilot that they were on and have a look around and see, is this, is what I'm doing in alignment with my core values? Is this mm -hmm. in alignment with what I want my life to look like the next five years? I think that I was very lucky to have had the experiences that I had, that I woke up from that stuff a long time ago that people are just now figuring out. I was able to see that with my gut punch coming back from England, right? <laughs> or, you know, studying abroad and just seeing different things. I That was already there for me. And it was just figuring out a way to, you know, where can I do this? 
And where can I do it that aligns with my goals? And I don't have to compromise my values to be a part of it, right? Um, that's kind of the hard part for people sometimes. Is what well, I think for a lot of people, they they don't realize that they have values. <laughs> they don't realize that. I mean, obviously, all of us have them. We all make choices on them. But very few people have taken the time to identify what's really important to them. And I think part of that ends up this, you know, post-industrial age, right? I think our school system was designed in the industrial age to make everybody good employees. So we practice, you know, going to school from, you know, eight to four, and then we're set up to be good employees from nine to five. And, and it's still an industrial age, you know, system here's what you need to learn so that you can do this and you go into workplace and okay these are the things you just need to do and and each day you come in you do abc and then you go home and make sure you come back by nine o'clock come back in and do abc and and i think you know we've really disempowered um people and i i think especially there's there's by accident or by default i don't know we've we've set up moms especially so if they're a stay-at-home mom we've taken them out of the workforce we we've we've given them this job these important tasks they complete all kinds of tasks so they're 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 working harder or just mm -hmm. as hard mm -hmm. but then if their husband leaves them you know they're set to try to get back into the workforce with no work experience no resume no college no and, and then the workplace says, uh, well, you don't have any qualifications. And so your husband's going to get more time with your kids because you're not going to be able to have a good enough job to support your kids. And, and we've created this system that's disempowering women instead of empowering them by glorifying the idea of the stay-at-home mom. Not that I'm I, – I don't – I love the idea of mom being there, raising the kids, taking care of the kids – but that's based on the fact that I trust that a marriage was made forever and that mm -hmm. the husband and wife will stay together and, and do the things they're supposed to do. Yeah, That's not happening in our culture anymore. And so now I don't want to disempower women. I don't want my daughter to think about staying at home. I want her to stay at home when her babies, when her babies are babies for sure. Mm -hmm. But I also want her to be prepared. And I want her to mm -hmm. say, you know what, if when my babies or if something else happens, I can jump into the workforce or I can have the side hustle, right? I can be crocheting yeah. mittens or something, right? But but there has to be this idea of value, right? And women have this great value that I think has been held back and even corporate is holding it back. And so I think a great big part of this great resignation is women recognizing, you know what? There's more. Yeah. There's more you out know, there for us. It's, I think a lot of what you've said is so true. Um, and it's, it's unique for women, men and women, you know, it's different, but I, I have a lot of clients that the men, the dads are stay at home, you know, so it's happening more. I and think, more. Yeah. I think that we're probably still statistically, it's more moms stay at home, but I do, I definitely see more dads. So it isn't just like a woman specific thing as far as getting back into the workforce, because you know, if they want to re-enter the workforce, they're going to have that same dynamic, I think. Um, but just in general, you know, what if we can show people a way to, you know, have 
a role or, you know, be an entrepreneur and be able to, you know, push forward or scale back their decision, their journey, um, so that they don't have to rely on the corporate world to leave space for them, you know, um, because I agree, I, you know, I, there's definitely some great companies out there, you know, um, as far as that goes. And, you know, I don't want to speak badly about it. I just know in my experience, um, I've been laid off before, you know, I've, my husband's been laid off before. It's not a place, um, you know, my dad, I'll say this, my dad worked for the railroad for 40 years. And you yep. just don't hear that anymore, right? It was different. Yep, it was, it was different. Okay. My grandfather worked for, for Ma Bell for his entire career. My father yeah. would have worked. My father worked for his final company for 29 years. Mm -hmm. And and the loyalty is is different. It's you know, different. basically since the 80s, since the, the yeah. first recession, where CEOs get rewarded if the company meets its marks and the, they're willing to give pink slips, right? Mm -hmm. Lay people off so that the company meets its margins. And, and I think that, that we shifted right to the, the stockholders in the nineties and the two thousands had the priority and, yeah. and the CEOs get rewarded by the stockholders for keeping the stock valuable at the demise of the customers and the employees. And I think there's a model coming back at some point. And, and, and I think it's part of this, this movement now where, a, we have to still take really good care of customers because customers are the ones paying the bills. Right. But we also have to take really good care of our employees. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a model. There's a business model that's going to take care of stockholders. Stockholders can still win. Customers can still win. And guess what? We can take really good care of our employees, too. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner. Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson. Available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Mm -hmm. And I think corporations that are wise are trying to figure out ways to make, you know, make, make it so that all, all of the parties involved in the transactions can benefit. And, and the part, the companies that, that don't figure that out, like Sears, who should have been a perfect natural fit for the internet, right? They were the first catalog company in the world. They, they, they had millions of dollars in, in catalog and yet they missed the internet. Like how, <laughs> you know, yeah. Sears, and it's kind of like Kodak. You know, <laughs> to mind, yeah. Kodak invented the digital camera, and they missed mm -hmm. digital photography right. as the future. Right. And 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 so, yeah, sometimes companies miss. But I think the companies that are going to be revolutionizing the future are the companies that are going to have great opportunities for moms that are employees, and great mm -hmm. opportunities for flexible schedules, and 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 hyper schedules where they work at home three days a week, or they work at work two days a week. Or they want to get away from their kids and they work at the office five days a week. You know, they're just they're going <laughs> yeah. to have more flexibility, but they're also going to take really good care of their stockholders. And of course, in that process, they're going to have the best customer service because they're going to have great loyal customers because they care about that. But but the focus has shifted. And and I think, 
you know, entrepreneurs are going to be responsible for some of that shift because because yeah. we're stepping out of the workplace saying, hey, look, at, look at what we can do by ourselves. Mm-hmm. But of course, some of the great, great companies that are worth billions today started out as entrepreneurs in their garage. Right. Right. And, and people forget yeah. that. Right. They're looking at Jeff Bezos flying his rocket saying, look what he's got. He started yeah. in his garage on a sheet of plywood between two sawhorses. Yeah, I am surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm grateful for that. And it is. Everybody starts somewhere. And I think one of the things with entrepreneurship that people don't fully understand, it takes time. It can it takes consistent time, right? And so, yes, you you know, it wasn't just overnight that that happened to Jeff Bezos. Like that, you know, I don't know the exact year he started, but it was decades ago. And, uh, you know, but you stick with it and you keep going and um, pretty amazing things can happen. So, yeah. Well, you and mentioned the big word in there is consistent. Oh, gosh. Yes. That's if anybody I always get asked, what's the secret sauce? Like, how do you you know what makes you successful? That kind of stuff. Um, it's there's really no secrets. It's but consistency would be one of the words I would say is, you know, if you want a secret sauce, um, be as consistent as possible. And that's in, in your activity, but also with what you value. Right. We were talking about values. It's really important that if you have a core value, stay consistent with it. Mm. It actually is very beneficial for you and everyone involved to do that. So, yeah. my core values have come up a couple of times. Let's dig into them. How did you okay. uh, dig into your core values and and decide what's what's important to Aspen? So that's such a good question because I liked when we were talking about. I think people start with core values. Um, I actually have written evidence of this. When I was 16 years old, I had a high school teacher have us write a letter to ourselves. Mm. And she asked us things like, what are your core values? What do you want your life to look like? What do you want your significant other spouse to be like? How many kids do you want to have? It was pretty awesome, right? And when I was 26, I literally got that letter in the mail and it was still sealed. She kept her promise. Um, and I was actually really surprised how much I like wrote down <laughs> some pretty personal stuff. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, you know, I obviously trusted her um, with the exercise and I fully took advantage of it. So I think that, um, you know, your parents are going to teach you some things around core values, right? Be honest, be respectful. What we hope. What we hope, right? <laughs> my parents, you know, they definitely, and their role modeling taught me core values around loyalty, respect, trust, honesty, those kinds of things. So I think that you start having core values early on in life. Then if you're lucky enough, somebody might say when you're 16, what are your core values? I do think though, at some point you get away from it. You get distracted. You get, I don't know exactly. It's all that Um, time in the pub. Yeah. You drink a few pints. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much fun. Um, But fast forward, I actually, I think it was like three years ago now, I was at a point, um, I had a couple of things happen in business personally, and I, it was not really a crossroads, but it was just a time to sit down and have a checkup from the neck up, right? Like what is going on? 
And I did that exercise of coming back to what, what do I really care about? Right. And I think that sometimes if people in your life, if you're struggling with somebody in your life, it's probably because it has something to do with one of your core values, right? It's um, like if somebody doesn't have ownership in their life, right? And they're driving you crazy. Well, maybe ownership and responsibility is one of your core values, right? So I think that it's really important to identify. And I did, I think it was about three years ago, I went back through to identify some of those top core values and it allows you to be aligned in your life, right? Like I think that um, another secret, you know, to success or entrepreneurship is what's your compass? You know, what leads you? What do you allow lead you? And I think that if you can understand what those core values are and let that alignment be your compass, um, you can't, you'll never have regrets, right? Because you'll know that you're doing the right stuff. Well, it's in, in many cases, it's being able to put a boundary around that or, or identifying the boundary that that's important to you. So, you know, in my case, there's always been a boundary around my marriage. I don't give women a ride in my car. I don't meet women in, in an office. (laughs) You know, if I, if I'm going to have a meeting with a woman, it's going to be in a public coffee shop or, you know, someplace where, you know, the meeting takes place without any question of, you know, what could be going on. And that's a boundary that's been set, you know, for, for most of my marriage. And so that's, my marriage is, is important to me that I want to avoid, you know, temptations. I have a boundary around the internet and, you know, my wife has full access to my computer, my computer history, my, my phone, my phone history, because I don't want the temptation of, you know, distractions, you know, um, obviously pornography and all those things are just so prevalent that, that they can be a distraction and they, they will hurt, you know, hurt a relationship. And so that's a boundary that's really important to me. You know, another one you mentioned was the honesty or integrity. And mm-hmm. for me, integrity growing up was a big deal. My dad's, you know, we get to meeting. If you're, you know, if you're 10 minutes early, you're already five minutes late. And so, you know, for my dad, it, my dad felt like if I got a flat tire on my way to a meeting, I should be able to change the tire and still arrive at the meeting on time. That mm-hmm. That's the way my dad felt versus today where, you know, what a flat tire or traffic or, you know, there was a wreck, there was this, there was that is all an excuse to get to a meeting. But for me, I realized that, that that's one level of integrity, but the real level of integrity was, was really inside myself. Mm-hmm. And so when I made this, you know, when I said, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start that blog or I'm going to, you know, start this podcast, yeah. um, I'm going to, you know, do these things for my business. And then when I don't do those, Mm. nobody knows nobody Mm -hmm. else is judging it but Mm -hmm. inside my mindset is saying yep there he goes again Mm -hmm. and then your confidence goes down yeah your vibration goes down your confidence goes down and the next three sales calls don't work out because guess what everybody on the other end picked up on the fact that this guy doesn't trust himself something going on yeah you know, I that's something um, I recently went on a seven day retreat um, the end of March and nice. it was amazing. Yeah, it was seven days, um, no access to any outside world, uh, no cell phone, nothing, <laughs> it 
which was an amazing part of it just in itself. But one of the things through this retreat that I identified was, you know, being, being able to be honest with yourself and trust yourself is probably one of the most important things you can do for yourself in your life, right? Mm. And you can only trust yourself if you're honest with yourself. Um, I think that there's a lot of positive, you know, I'm, I read so many different books around, you know, positive attitude and positive this and positive that and stuff, but you can't just cover it all up with positive, right? You like when bad things happen, you've got to <laughs> like identify it, accept it. You don't have to like it, right? But you can't just pretend to be positive all the time. And I think that that, that is part of be honest with yourself about things, what is going on. Um, and, and then you can trust yourself more. And where I find this really shows up too is your leadership and your associations. You know, um, I wrote a blog several years ago now for a mom's group around how important leadership and associations are in your life, right? And leadership, I look at it as how you lead yourself, number one, right? And that's where that integrity piece comes in because you're the only one knows. <laughs> and, uh, you know, who you're following and how you lead others, right? And who you're following, that could be an actual mentor in your life, or it could be what you're watching on TV, the news you listen to, the books you read, all of that is leadership. And so it's really, really important to understand what is true leadership and what's noise. And then your associations is you, I didn't believe this. I remember my dad told me this when I was in middle school you know, you are the people you hang out with, right? You are the sum of the five people. We've all heard it. Um, but later in, a, in my adult life, I realized, yeah, it's, it really matters who you spend your time with because you're going to have people that are either going to lift you up or pull you down. And they may not always tell you that they're trying to pull you down. Right? They don't know. Well, sometimes they do and they don't tell you. <laughs> That's sometimes true. They but don't know. The majority, yeah. yeah, the majority don't know. The majority don't realize that they're that they're energy suckers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's where you really have to look at your associations. And it's not, you can still love on people, right? But you have to really decide where am I going to spend my time, right? Mm. And so, um, and the easiest way for me is just who do I want my daughter to have as role models? Mm, you know, who do I want her to spend time with? makes it really simple who I want to be associated with. So, yeah. Yeah. So powerful. All right. So we, we talked about values. We talked about um, the, those five people, you know, who you're going to hang around leading yourself. So let's dig into that, that character idea and then authenticity, right? Being able to, mm -hmm. to be yourself, especially in a sales world, in a, in a, in a world where, you know, there's, there's these expectations for, people that know about money and for people that are, you know, the mm -hmm. idea that I, I was on a call the other day with a, a financial advisor. He said, yeah, I spent the first 10 years as a, as a financial advisor wearing, you know, a suit and tie. And, and, and that was the expectation because nobody would listen to anybody that wasn't wearing a suit and tie, but it was so inauthentic. And so mm -hmm. let's talk about the ability to have authenticity, to match your character, to be in, in harmony, right. To be in alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think part of it is the vulnerability piece, right? Like, 
I think, especially, you're right, in the financial world, um, there was people, if they said they had a financial advisor, you would automatically picture a person <laughs> and what they look like, right? Um, and, you know, I've been here 12 years now. I <laughs> It definitely was that way. Have to wear a suit, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that, you know, it changes and it depends on your clients, right? And all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, sorry, I just lost my thought for a second. Um, but showing up as who you are and being vulnerable, right? And not pretending like you know everything. That's what I was trying to get to is mm. I don't think people, one of my mentors, um, actually was a co-founder of our company he once got up and said you don't have to know everything about everything right and when you don't know please tell people you don't know mm -hmm. right and i think that definitely in my industry but definitely all over there's a lot of people out there trying to pretend like they know <laughs> trying to you know look the part pretend the part you know, and, um, and that's exhausting, right? <laughs> I think that that's really exhausting. And at one point in my career, in the beginning, I thought, oh, I got to know everything about everything. And I, you know, and it wasn't being authentic, because it was like, actually, you're never going to know everything about everything, right? And you got to just accept that and get comfortable with that. Um, then, as clients would ask me questions, and I was like, oh, if I tell them I don't know, what are they going to think of me, right? And I just said, you know what? That's a great question. I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that. But before I answer it incorrect or incomplete, can I get back to you in the next 24 hours? And they're like, yeah, great. No problem. And I was like, oh, he was right. <laughs> you know, you can be authentic. You don't have to pretend. And so, you know, the suit thing, I, I think that that's still... That's a, definitely a financial industry thing um, to wear a suit and to look a certain part. It's almost like a uniform. Um, you know, when you fly a plane, you expect your pilot to look a certain way. Um, I, I get it, right? But I do think there is this other side of things that, um, you know, I have colleagues that are in mountain towns, and if they show up in a suit, they're going to think they're the FBI, right? So <laughs> I think that, you know, being authentic with dress in itself, um, I love wearing turtlenecks. You know, my husband jokes, my nickname is Spin. He calls it my Spin Jobs look, right? Instead of Steve Jobs. Um, so, you know, whatever you feel comfortable in, I think is great. And as far as being authentic, the best, fastest route to authenticity i think it's vulnerability and humbleness and like being okay with you and i would say this too to anyone that's looking at being an entrepreneur if there's a piece of you that's not okay with you that's probably where the work needs to be done right if you can't be authentic for some reason look dig deep like dig into that look deeper into what is that all about because but there's probably a path of growth there that's going to help you more than monetarily. Well, and when you when you started talking about that, I started thinking about the the fake it till you make it statement. Yes. Right? And, yes. And and the there's some truth in the fake it till you make it, right? You need to fake the confidence a little bit. You need to fake the, but you don't need to fake that you know everything, and you don't need to yeah. fake that that you've got it all together. 
But is it faking it or is it courage? Well, that's the the combination. Yeah. I I heard somebody use the phrase faith it, faith it till you make it. Yeah. I I really like that. But there is, there is this, this inside of you change that has to happen. Mm -hmm. And, And I like tying it to courage. That's, that is, you just need to take action. It, and even if you're taking action wrong, at least you're moving, you're moving, right? Yeah, because yeah. a moving rock, we can do all kinds of stuff with. Yeah. But if you're sitting on the couch thinking about doing something, nothing's no, going to happen. Never going to happen. My sister actually is in business with me and she spoke on stage one time and I loved it. She had the Nike sign. It said, just do it, even if you suck. <laughs> And it was like, you know, you suck until you don't suck anymore. Well, but chances then, are, chances are you're going to suck in the beginning anyway. So you might as well get it over with. Accept it. Yeah, accept <laughs> it and get the mentorship and everything. But I think that the moment from, you know, I'm not very good to now I'm really good. It's literally a, a step towards courage. Right. Mm. And my daughter, she's learning how to swim. And we were talking um, just the other night she doesn't like to put her head under the water. And I said, hun, you just have to have a little bit of courage. And she said, what is that? And I said, it's being afraid and doing it anyways, right? That's what courage is. And I think that rather than telling people fake it till you make it, it's, I love faith it till you make it, but it's, it's really that practice of courage and bravery because it is. And that's why so many people give up on entrepreneurship. Is because they get their fear outweighs their faith or their fear outweighs their belief. Yep. So You're they have that right. doubt come in and the way to bridge it, and it's uncomfortable as heck. Um, but it's it is, it's courage. And then yep. you might be surprised just how good you are, right? Oh. And that's a that's a daily journey for me. I think that. I know I'm doing the right things, but it takes me a little courage to do it. It's like, oh, I'm on the right track. That's another compass for you. Like that. Nice. So you've actually mentioned the word mentor probably three, four, five times, maybe. So let's talk yeah. about mentors okay. and, and the power of, of mentors in your growth. Yeah. So I, my mentors, I am very fortunate with the mentors that I am surrounded by. I actually, at this point in my life, I am the most supported I've ever been. Um, and it, it doesn't, support doesn't mean that I get sugarcoated all the time because actually a really good mentor is going to tell you the stuff that might be hard to hear as well, but they also encourage you, right? And they let, they remind you of the things that are good. And so I have mentors in different areas of my life. I have mentors for my business, I actually have several mentors. I have two in particular that I really do lean on, um, but I have other mentors kind of around too. Um, In my marriage, I have mentors, right? Being a mom, I have mentors. Um, Being a woman, I have mentors. I have a sisterhood that I'm a part of each Wednesday, and we get together and talk about the different dynamics of being a woman and you know, one of the things that came up today was boundary setting and saying no to things, you know, and, and so for me, mentorship, and of course, like my husband is a mentor of mine, you know, like he's probably my number one mentor, because him and I do have a really great dynamic in our marriage where we challenge each other to be better, right? We're always into growth and just 
let's see, you know, just how good we can be in the best version of ourselves. But yeah, I think mentorship, um, you can tell a lot about how successful you're going to be on how successful your mentors are. Mm. And, you know, my mentors around me are very successful in the different areas that I lean on them for leadership and encouragement and also to let me know where I'm messing up, you know, because I have blind spots just like everybody else (laughs) and you can't see your own blind spots, right? Like things will happen in your life and you go, huh, why did that happen? And what you find out it's you had a blind spot there, right? And there's a book on this. that's like, you're unconsciously incompetent, right? And all of that good stuff. But you really need those mentors around you to be able to like help you see that and then help you create a path out of it too. Absolutely. So let's <laughs> talk brass tacks, finding mentors. Hmm. Well, are you a good mentee? Would mm. be my first question. Um, I think that they're in my, when I'm, interviewing people to come on board. Um, I, I spend a lot of time with my trainees and helping them. And one of the questions I ask people is how coachable are you? Hmm. And how teachable are you? Because those are two different things, right? And a lot of people are like, Oh, I even when I interviewed, I remember being like, I'm, you know, coachable, I'm like a eight. And I wasn't I was a four, maybe even a two, right? So my first question when finding, you know, a mentor is you got to be a good mentee. You got to be somebody that is open to feedback, open to constructive criticism, something that you have to remember. It's not always easy to give feedback that isn't all positive. Right. And so you got to be humble enough to say, okay, you know what? I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to be open to these things. So being a good mentee. And then I think you look in your life for your associations that are successful in the areas that you want to be successful. It's pretty simple. And you don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be like somebody in your business or in your industry can be a mentor. Actually, one of my former bosses and I, um, her and I are really good friends. We meet once a month. And she's in a leadership role. I'm in a leadership role. And we talk about that, you know? And so she's not in my industry, but she also um, is, you know, a woman in an executive position, right? And so we have a lot of commonality there. So that's what I would say is just look for the people around you that are already successful in what you want to be successful in um, and, and be a good mentee. Be open and take advice. (laughs) (laughs) If they give you advice, take it. The sooner you do, the happier you'll be. All right. We're going to switch things up a little bit. What was your most memorable date? Oh, gosh. Um, Oh, no. uh, Let's see. Well, it's hard to say whether it's a date, but um, my husband, we got married in the Tivoli. Um, and it was over 4th of July weekend. And you know how with weddings, not everything goes as planned. (laughs) In fact, I tell people pick like five things you care about and then delegate the rest. 
and then be like water that night because something's going to happen. And my brother-in-law, he was great because what happened was um, when they played our first dance song, they played the Coachella live version of it. <laughs> so it was, everybody was going, what's going on? And my brother-in-law is like, this is great. This is the things why people remember weddings, you know? Um, so they totally messed up our, our first dance song. So when we came back from our honeymoon, my husband took me out on a date downtown and we went to the front of the Tivoli where it's all grass and it was at night and he played our song under the stars. And it was probably one of the most romantic things he's done. And I absolutely loved it. Nice. Well, that's definitely memorable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you guys love to do as a family? What do you do in your free time with, with your husband and daughter? We do a couple of things. So each night um, at dinner, we like to talk about our highlights and our lowlights of our day. So we'll say, what was your favorite part of your day? And what was your least favorite part of your day? And so our four-year-old is into this and she even gives our dogs a chance to have their highs and lows too. Yes. Pretty funny. Um, we also, this year, I really just have wanted to get outside more. And so we're starting to go hiking um, more often. And I'm picking out different hikes that we can take here in Colorado. So we can knock out a bunch of things all at once, but enjoy the sunshine and scenery. Nice. Yeah. So how have, how have routines helped you in, in your growth and, and in your journey? I Routines are huge. Um, I think that routines, structure, um, I have a couple of things that I have been living by the last couple of years. And why it's been so important to, to have them is because you're going to get knocked off, right? You're going to be on a path headed somewhere and then something happens, you get knocked off, right? Um, so having structure and routines helps you get back on the path. And a couple of things that I do, the first thing I do, have you heard of The Power List by Andy Frizzelli? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have I run my daily power list. Um, I've been doing that for over a year now, maybe, you know, a year and a half. And it's your three to five things. Um, it's your big rocks of your day, right? You, you know, the big rocks, the pebbles and all that. You put your big rocks in first and everything fits in. You put the sand in first. Now you can't put in the big rocks. So the daily list for me, the power list to me is putting my big rocks in. So I do that. And then on a weekly basis, my husband and I have kind of a, I don't know, one of my friends called it a marriage meeting, right? And because we both have schedules that pull us in different directions, now we have our daughter, we have all of her stuff pulling us in different directions. We sit down and we have the checklist that we go through once a week to make sure that everything's going to run, you know, and we actually go over our net worth um, quarterly and we just are sort of checking in on things. But we start it with gratitude. We start that meeting with, here's what I'm grateful for. Um, you know, here's where I won my week. Here's where I lost my week. Here's what I need support from you. Um, you know, and here's my plan for this next week. And then we go through groceries and laundry. We actually outsource our laundry. <laughs> so it's more about picking it, who's dropping off and picking up. Yeah, we've done that for over a year now too highly recommend looking at your life. What can you outsource? What can you delegate? Because 
Um, laundry was one of those things that was keeping us home over the weekends. And now we outsource it. So now we get to go hiking on the weekends. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Outsourcing doesn't have to necessarily just be business things. No. Outsourcing the things you don't like to do around your house, like mowing the lawn, <laughs> changing the oil, doing the laundry, cleaning yeah. for many. Yeah. <laughs> All of those things can be outsourced fairly easily and can make a huge difference in your life and marriage. Yeah. It's funny. I was telling someone the other day that I outsourced my laundry and she was like, oh, how much is that? And I thought, isn't that interesting? Your first thought was cost. I said, well, when we do a cost value analysis, it's like we are worth way more an hour than it costs to outsource that. So that's when you're making decisions like that, you know, what is, what's your personal hour worth is important to know. Well, value, value is everything. Yeah. And when you when you make the switch from scarcity to not scarcity, <laughs> you start mm -hmm. to look at value versus cost. Yeah. Value yeah. is so much better, right? Like <laughs> it's easy to tell clients, you know, would you give me a hundred dollars if I gave you ten thousand? Yeah. And 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 so many people go, What? Yeah. <laughs> it's a yes or no question. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I show you that I can provide $10,000 worth of value, it's a no brainer to give a hundred dollars for that. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you need to look at value. Value is more important than cost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and if, and if you're not, if you're not understanding the value, then yeah, you're going to do your laundry and you're wasting a hundred dollars an hour or more <laughs> doing your laundry. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Know yeah. your value. I love that you mentioned gratitude in there. And normally we'd have mm -hmm. a conversation about gratitude, but we're coming towards the end. So I want to give you the chance to share. You've had this hour with one of your team members, entrepreneurs in the making, and you want to give them Aspen words of wisdom. What would you share? <sighs> words of wisdom. I, you know what? I would say enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. Don't seek for an exact destination. You know, be open, stay true to your compass, you know, the moral compass, your values, let that be your guide, understand your purpose and your passion and enjoy the ride. And my most recent thing that I said is let it rip because it's meant to be fun, you know, have fun. Don't forget to have fun. Mm, <laughs> love that. I'm a big advocate. If you're not enjoying the journey, pull the cord and get off the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much, Aspen. Appreciate you taking the time today and really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. I appreciate it, Robert. My pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Rob Howes and Robert really hit it off and talk about mind, body, and soul alignment and the importance of helping people grow. There is extreme power in listening and tapping into other people's hearts and forgiveness. Speak words of life and every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become.